Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. I've got a guest out of North Carolina today, Don Brennigan. Don, how's it going today? I'm doing well. Don't mind the cat in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'll definitely keep everyone uh, tuned in and interested. So um, like I mentioned before we got started, you know, I want to start with kind of like your background, how you got into real estate, when you got into real estate, and kind of what you were doing when you first started getting involved in it. Sure. So I got into real estate about 20 years ago. Um, I was pretty fresh out of college and was working in the social services field and realized that nobody there makes any money. So um, decided to shift gears a little bit and stop using my psych degree and instead got my real estate license. So, um, you know, that worked out. I worked, um, I quit my uh, job with a therapeutic foster care agency and decided to um, work in, in new home sales. So I was an assistant for a little while to a couple of people um, and they worked on site and we, you know, only sold those builders homes and it was like a custom builder uh, development team. So so not like the big national brands, but just kind of some local people. And I did that all the way up until the recession hit back in 2008. And we went from selling probably 25 homes a month to maybe selling three or four. And so um, the income dropped a lot and the, you know, sitting around in office doing virtually nothing really uh, started to wear on me a bit. So um, I switched gears in 2010 and I opened up my own company. It's called Trailwood Realty and um, started doing a lot of property management at that point because I had a couple of rental properties of my own by then and it was just going really well. So I thought, you know, I'm licensed. I can do this for other people. And it was really filling a need in the market at that time because people couldn't sell their homes. And so, you know, they kind of were turning to renting them instead. And then by, you know, probably two years or so into that, the sales started picking up as well. So now I'm simultaneously running a property management company and doing um, sales as well. So did that for a while. And then about four years ago, I took on a, a full-time partner. And so then she took over the property management and I was doing the sales. And then we ultimately just sold the property management arm of our business last year. So she's joined me full-time on the sales side. So now we're solely focused on sales, but um, you know, the business trying to kind of just organically grew into working with a lot of investors and, you know, kind of just being in that space led me to, you know, investing into more properties of my own as well. So one thing that you mentioned, obviously, like some of us, I, I went through, I basically kind of got into real estate when the market crashed. Like I got in in 06, 07, 08, like it, it just had a couple more years left. And then obviously it turned. And you had mentioned at that point, one of the reasons you got into property management um, was because you owned some rental properties yourself. What was kind of your your mindset? Like, when did you decide that you wanted to invest in, in property? And, and what did that look like? Well, when I first started in real estate, I was still renting um, and, you know, got into real estate. Now you're kind of, you know, headfirst into that world and realized like, hey, if I'm going to practice what I preach, I need to buy a home. Um, unfortunately, I was also only 23 years old and completely broke. And um, but fortunately, they were giving loans to everybody. And so um, I was able to get into my first house with zero uh, percent financing. It was a new construction townhome. And I lived in that with a couple of roommates for a few years until I ultimately 
um, moved out of that one and then bought another personal residence and kind of repeated that process as well. So I picked up my first two rental properties just by being my personal homes and then keeping them when I moved out. Um, and then in the meantime, between those two properties, I also helped my parents buy two rental properties. They had sold a house and, you know, had about hundred thousand dollars to work with. And we're like, Hey, find us two rental properties in Raleigh. And, you know, I was still brand new to the business. I had no idea what I was doing, but I lived close to NC state university. And a lot of my friends kind of had this particular neighborhood that they all tried to find rental properties. in. so that was the extent of my rental property knowledge was, Hey, here's a neighborhood that I know is popular and you've got some money. So we put it together and and they bought two properties in that neighborhood that I ultimately ended up buying from them at a later date. So that's two, um, two out of the eight that I own. So how long were you basically doing property management for yourself and your parents before you decided to kind of offer it out to other people? From, let's see, 2004 to 2000, about six years, I owned rental properties of my own before I started doing it for others. And then, so what did that look like? Obviously, you know, you decide to, to offer those services, but People don't just come banging on the door and say, okay, now we've got a hundred clients. Like, how did you actually, you know, get in front of people to, to offer those services? So I started just sending out mailers to everybody who had a home on the market for sale. Um, and you know, if their house had been listed for more than 60 days, I sent them a mailer and said, Hey, have you considered renting it? Um, you know, great thing to do while you wait for your equity to come back in this market to recover. And I ended up building the portfolio up to maybe, I don't know, 30 or 40 homes or so. And then I found out I was pregnant with twins. So I was like, okay, now I don't know, like what, you know, I hear kids are hard. Um, and I don't know what that's going to look like. So I really laid off trying to grow my business for, um, the year until the kids, uh, you know, presented themselves. And then turns out I had a lot of family help and stuff with them. So I was able to kind of jump right back into it. Um, but between kind of mailers to, um, homes that were sitting and then really, truly just organically word of mouth really started to grow the business. Um, ultimately I went down the rabbit hole of finding bigger pockets. Um, so real estate investor focused website there. And, you know, I was just kind of interested in what was going on on that site. And so I did a lot of just chatting in the forum and talking to people. And that really just kind of organically grew into meeting a lot of people who were interested in investing in the area as well. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you know, obviously you said your strategy shifted. You went from, you know, being kind of a list agent for someone who was just kind of doing tons and tons and tons of new construction to going off on your own. And then what, what else was going on in your investing in, in real estate world at that point? Yep. So I was just kind of slowly adding homes onto my own portfolio. It was never something I was truly trying to focus on and grow. You know, I know some people really want to quit their jobs early and own a hundred doors and, you know, really get into the real estate business that way. To me, that's not super appealing just because for me, it's more of an investment. I don't want to have it as another future job. Um, once I decide to retire, you know, I really want to kind of be able to check out of that as much as possible. So, um, you know, for me personally, I'd probably cap out about 10 rental properties and I have eight now. So, you know, so if things kind of organically fall in my lap and they're good deals and stuff, great. If not, that's fine. I, I've spent so much time focusing on trying to find good investment properties for my clients that, you know, it's kind of like the shoemaker has no shoes type of situation. Um, okay. And, you know, inventory is so limited that, you know, just whatever is available, I kind of feel like I need to help my clients get that. Um, but yeah, kind of just, you know, it really organically grew through being active on bigger pockets, having my property management company. Um, I did their podcast, um, you know, kind of in their early years as well. And so, you know, that gave me a lot of, um, I think, clout, you know, just 
people reached out to me after I had that podcast air. Um, and eventually bigger pockets actually made me a moderator. So, you know, I'm in the forums a lot. I'm talking to people all the time. And I think if you kind of provide value to others without saying, Hey, call me, I'm a realtor, you know, and you're just answering questions and providing value, people will naturally just reach out to you. And I'm an introvert by nature. So, you know, the whole idea of asking for business really turns me off and, um, you know, I, I can't really do that, but I am really good at, um, helping others and, you know, just chatting organically. So how does that work? Obviously you go into like a bigger pockets, pockets platform. Um, bigger pockets is a national type, um, you know, uh, message board. Like, how are you finding local people? Is it that you're talking to people all over the country and then, and then it just so happens that some are in, uh, like the Raleigh area, or is it that like you're specifically somehow targeting the people in that area? A handful full of people that I talk to are local, but more often than not, it's actually people in more expensive markets that, um, you know, have been doing their research online and have come to the conclusion that Raleigh is a good, like appreciating market to be in. So uh, Raleigh okay. is the capital of North Carolina. It's a crazy market, you know, very tech heavy and stuff. So, you know, I get people who um, are in California who have seen kind of what tech has done to their area. They've invested in Austin. You know, they know what it's done to Austin. So they kind of see Raleigh as being the next best thing, you know, for other people who might be in, you know, small sub markets that are not in the news all the time. You know, I don't know that 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 same strategy would necessarily work. But um, yeah, you know, the reason I asked, I'm kind of in the opposite type of market. I'm in Boston. So you talked about, you know, California, like where, where we're at, like most people want to come from another part of the country to invest here in multifamily because it, it doesn't really make sense. But I wasn't thinking that you could you could be getting people from like high income earning areas that would invest in, in your market. And then now that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit more through it, you're then property managing those properties too. We were up until last year. <laughs> so what percentage of your business were people that were trying to invest versus kind of like the traditional, like, hey, I want to buy a home or list at, you know, my my personal residence? At this point, it's probably two thirds investors and one third retail buyers and sellers. And was that strategic or is that just kind of like how things went because of like where the market was at and where you felt like you could kind of get a niche? Yeah, it, you're right. It's definitely a, a niche of mine. And I think, you know, it really just kind of organically grew into that. And, you know, I think a lot of agents don't like to work with investors because they feel like they're buying cheap houses and, you know, they're going to be, um, you know, it's going to be more trouble than it's worth. But I find that to just be the opposite. Um, you know, yes, they buy lower price point homes, but more often than not, they buy more than one. A lot of times, you know, they turn around and buy their own personal home and that one will be, you know, three quarters of a million dollars versus 300 or something. So, you know, having kind of just, you know, I think the more people you know and the more people you help, the more referrals you get and, you know, the more chances that you have to even help them um, as well with their own transactions. So, yeah, most of the buyer or most of the investor buyers do more often than not buy somewhere between two to 10 homes with me. Let's take a quick break from the episode. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. So you kind of mentioned um, almost like nonchalantly that, hey, you've got like eight rental properties on your own, you might get to 10. Um, that's where, you know, a lot of people want to be. So tell me a little bit about like, what your investment strategy is and like where do you want to go kind of in the future with it 
So I am very much a path of least resistance kind of person. I did not want to put too much time and effort into, you know, having to manage a rental portfolio. So I really tried to stick to properties that I thought would attract really good tenants that would be super easy to manage. They're all pretty close to my house, so I can self-manage them pretty easily as well. Um, I was doing it through my property management company until we sold that. But now, you know, I'm kind of back to just doing it all on my own again, um, which is fine because it's only eight. And like I said, they're all kind of, you know, self-regulating for the most part. So I have a few that are close to NC State University. Those do attract students, young professionals. Um, and then I have a few that are more on like the east side of Raleigh um, and or Nightdale, which is like a little suburb. And that's like a little bit more working class area, but it's, um, you know, but still you can find like very good solid tenants. So, you know, a big thing is just making sure that you are screening your tenants properly, you know, and just making sure that they're not going to cause you problems later. So, um, you know, just try to really stick to the best of the best when it comes to the tenants. And so what type of properties do you like to buy? Generally single family, just because you have a little bit less HOA oversight, you know, versus a townhome or a condo. Um, and of course the HOA fees. Um, and, you know, a lot of times you'll find in a townhome or condo that they limit the number of rental properties that they can have, um, or may even ban them all together. You don't find that as often in a single family home. Um, and I think ultimately people are wanting to live in single family homes versus townhomes and condos and stuff. Condos compete with the apartment market. So I really do try to stay away from condos completely. Townhomes are a little bit better, but again, like I said, you know, HOAs often restrict the rentals. Um, so I think as long as you stick to kind of the lower price points in any given submarket, you're, you're generally good, um, as far as, you know, it being a safe bet, or at least in our area, you know, the, the appreciation rates are pretty high. Um, so, you know, I'm really just kind of looking for very simple bread and butter, you know, relatively new construction. I think my oldest one is built in 1994. So, um, you know, I still have to replace roofs and HVACs and stuff like that, but you don't have lead-based paint and asbestos and stuff like that to deal with. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that, you know, when, when people talk about owning rentals, a lot of times there's these different like objections, like, you know, this could happen, that could happen. And it sounds like, you know, your, one of your focuses is to like, not make the rental properties like a big, you know, negative on your life. And so um, obviously having them newer, you're going to run into far fewer problems. Um, and then you mentioned kind of like single families versus townhouses. Like, is there anything else like with what you're doing that you've done in order to kind of make it so that it's like, okay, this is just a small part of my life. Yeah. I think really kind of being a good landlord to begin with is probably the number one best thing you can do for yourself. You know, if your tenant needs something from you to be responsive, um, and to not nickel and dine them, you know, if they clog your disposal or something, don't charge them, you know, it's 50 bucks and call it a day. Like it's not, um, not that big of a deal. And I tend to find that my tenants stay a really long time. You know, we have good relationships and I think that as long as your tenants are happy and you know, you're doing the best job you can of keeping up the property, they're going to do the same on their end as well. If they realize that you care about it, you know, you're going to attract the tenants who are also going to care about it. So I've just had really good luck. I mean, you know, beyond just kind of replacing carpet here and there, having to repaint and stuff like that, it's been pretty, um, you know, pretty stress-free. So another thing that you mentioned, and, you know, we always talk about this, like on the show, which is like agents, you can do both. Like you can be a really successful agent and you can invest at the same time. And one thing that you had mentioned is that, you know, your acquisition strategy has been like, when something comes to you, you take it. So what, what does that actually kind of like look like for you? Like, how did you acquire those like eight properties in terms of like, not making it so that it took away from your real estate business. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, agents have a kind of a unique position when it comes to investing in real estate. One, there's all these tax benefits and stuff like that. But beyond that, you know, generally we have pretty high incomes. So, you know, you have a couple of real good closings and then next thing you know, you've got enough down payment money. So I think if you don't inflate your lifestyle to match that and instead focus on funneling that money into things that are going to create some passive income for you, um, you know, that's definitely the route to take. So I drive a 10 year old minivan. I've got two kids, you know, like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't care about that kind of stuff because every Every time I have the money in my account ready to buy my Tesla, I'm like, well, I don't want to spend 80 grand on a Tesla. I could use that as a down payment for something else. So, um, so, you know, I'm just never going to have nice things because I can't bring myself to choose that instead of, you know, just funneling more money away into investments. Um, and then of course we're, we're in the business, right? So you're going to run across sellers that, you know, maybe are not quite ready to put their house on the market. Maybe it's a good opportunity for you to buy it instead off market. Um, you know, you're going to know more lenders. And if you're, um, out there doing meetups and stuff like I am, I'm out there networking with wholesalers, other flippers. I do private lending as well. So I lend money to, to flippers. Um, that's generally like a 12% interest rate. So that's pretty good. Um, so there's, you know, just kind of all these opportunities and stuff for agents. If you just kind of get out into your community and learn what's out there. When I first started into investing, I thought, investing in real estate meant buying a rental property and then sitting on it and collecting your rent and having it appreciate. And that was it. Um, it wasn't until I found bigger pockets that I realized there's just whole spectrum of things that you yeah. can do that are so outside that scope of just that basic, um, situation that, you know, so I started dabbling. So I did, um, two flips. I, like I said, I was doing some private lending. Um, I passively am invested into a small apartment complex, a little bit South of my area. Um, now I'm looking at self-storage units, you know, like it's, you know, there's all kinds of different stuff that you can do. So, you know, I would just stress to people to not necessarily limit yourself into just, you know, a small window, but really explore like what's out there. And that's the cool thing about real estate is there's a thousand different avenues you can take and you'll probably be successful at all of them, you know, if you can kind of just focus on a few. So how, you know, you gotten educating on all this stuff? It was really going down the rabbit hole of bigger pockets and listening to all their podcasts. Gosh, I probably listened to the first 300 podcasts nonstop. <laughs> Wow. Um, you know, that's where I learned like, oh, you can do seller fine. I didn't know that was a thing, you know, <laughs> but even just going out there and networking and meeting other people, you know, like I have friends who are flippers and they might come up, you know, they do a lot of their own marketing and stuff and they might come across a deal that maybe they don't choose to pursue on their own. Maybe the numbers are a little tight for what they're looking for and they've got their buy box um, and it's outside of that, but <clears throat> you know, maybe it works for me or one of my clients. So we do some stuff, you know, we do a lot of stuff on MLS, but a lot of stuff off market as well. Yeah. And, and I think that's like another important thing is like by servicing um, real estate investors, you're in the game. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know that this is definitely the answer to it, but, you know, it's not hard to accumulate like one rental property a year if you're focusing on servicing other real estate investors. And I've seen a lot of real estate agents do that where they're putting deals together and all of a sudden they're part of a deal or they buy a deal that their client didn't want. And um, like you said, there's definitely a big competitive advantage there. So you're not doing the, the property management anymore. What kind of led to that? And then what does the future look like for yourself and your company? Well, I was, 
you know, stretched too thin to do both property management and the sales by the time I took on my business partner. So I was running around, you know, working nonstop during those years. And so then she came on, let's see, four years ago. So that was 2018 or so. And then she did the property management um, and took that off my plate, which, you know, freed up a ton more time to be able to just focus on the sales. And then she did that for about three years. And then at the beginning of last year, she was like, okay, this is too stressful. And like, I don't really want to do this anymore. Um, I'd rather do sales with you. So we ultimately sold the portfolio so that she could join me full time with that. Um, so, you know, the catalyst, I mean, property management, it's, 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 it's a special kind of job and it's not for everybody. And it is, um, even if everything is going perfectly and well, it's still kind of just like nonstop problem solving, you know, so somebody's toilet's broken, you have to manage that or somebody's moving out. And this is all just normal stuff that you expect, but you know, it's just kind of constant. So it was just kind of nice when you do sales that once you're finished with the transaction, it is done. And, you know, if you didn't like the transaction or you didn't like your client or, you you know, you can, you've moved on after 30 days. So it's kind of nice to, you know, get that off your mental plate. So, um, so since selling that business and we really did handpick the property manager that we sold to so that we could still refer future clients over to him, um, you know, just kind of taking that off her plate has freed her time up now that she, um, isn't doing that to, you know, really help me and focus as well. So. So sales have been doing great since then. Yeah. So, so the focus now is mainly sales. Yeah. So yep. what are you, obviously you got time back. So what are you doubling down on? Like, what are the activities? Oh, traveling. That what was that? <laughs> it's a traveling now that I've got some time back. I've been, oh, okay. Yeah. And now that I've got some time back and I'm vaccinated, I've been flying all over the place. So, um, okay. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's kind of the best thing, right? It's like, you know, if you can delegate some of your responsibilities to other people, then you can free up some of that own time of yours to spend it however you want. So, you know, I kind of went through the grueling decade of working nonstop and really trying to build the business to where it is today. And now that I've done that and I've got good people on my team, I can kind of step away a little bit more and, you know, focus on personal things, which is nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So what would you say to an agent who wants to get involved in investing, has done some research and hasn't taken any action yet? Um, well, I found really, like I said, a lot of my success really just came from being curious myself, you know, so I'm out there asking questions um, and answering questions and stuff too. And that just really, you know, for the introverted nature of myself, that was like a really nice way to grow my business without having to, you know, get out there and put myself out there and be rejected and, you know, worry about that, you know, all that kind of stuff. I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really doing it to grow my business. It just kind of organically happened that way. And kind of looking back on it, realized like that was one of the best things that I did was just be value to other people. So if you're trying to break into the investment world, you know, I, I know a lot of local places have uh, meetup groups and things. I know bigger pockets, you know, there's events tab there. So you can find a lot of stuff there. Um, the real estate investment association. So here it's called TRIA triangle real estate investment association. But yep. Um, if you look up REIA in any given area, you'll probably find one, um, you know, in any more like major metropolitan areas and stuff. Um, so I think, you know, the first step is just getting out there and networking and meeting other people and learning about what they do and, you know, expressing genuine interest in what other people are doing. Um, you know, I find that the people who attend things like meetups are ones that are actively looking for help themselves and they are actively wanting to help other people, you know, and that's, that's kind of social aspect of it is something that, um, you know, you'll find out there. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think without doubt, like at just figuring out a way to get educated, add value. I mean, that's kind of like step one for me. Yeah, add value. Um, 
So um, for any of our listeners that, you know, might be interested in investing in Raleigh or, you know, reaching out to you in any capacity, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Sure. So uh, all our contact information is on our website. So it's trailwoodrealty.com. And of course, I'm on Facebook, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, all those places as well. But you can link to all that through our website. And it's Trailwood? Trailwood, yep. Okay, awesome. All right. Well, I want to thank you. I know you're you're busy and you know, obviously now you're you're able to travel. So I don't want to cut into your <laughs> your travel time. But uh I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. A lot of great information. And obviously, guys, uh Trailwood, if you guys want to look up Don. So Don, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, definitely feel free to reach out to me. All right, cool. And guys, thank you for listening. Another we'll be back with another episode of the Agent Investor Podcast next week. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.